Welcome back to The Way We See It. My name is Lucy Super Fox, and today I have the absolute pleasure of interviewing a great friend of mine, Stuart Armstrong from Pure Elite. But Stuart, before I introduce you and do all of that, I would love for you to share a little bit about your background and a little bit about how Pure Elite came about. Um, so Pure Elite actually came about because I got ill, which is the strangest thing to say. So I worked in corporate, in um i just got nervous <laughs> that's um i think it's when i talk about being ill it's it's um a trigger yeah it's 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 just, it's a strange thing because even now so i've been ill for 11 years i don't always accept it mm-hmm. and whenever i talk about it it's like a oh yeah you're ill Oh, did it's you like, remember? Yeah. And so I'll put, like, so, oh, I forget, I forget, I forget that I'm ill. And I, and I sort of forget that there's like a limitation on my life because before I got ill, which is how purely sort of came about, there was no limitations on my life at all. I was young. I worked in sales and marketing. I was um, chasing the dream. I wanted to be one of the youngest CEOs in the FTSE 100. And that, that was like my goal. And I never, ever, ever dreamed that there would be anything that would stop that. The only thing that could ever have stopped that, ironically, was myself, which is ironically what happened. <laughs> it, was myself, it was myself getting ill. So whenever I sort of think about being ill, um, it's as if it's pushed back to the back of my brain and I have to go back through the thought process of what it was like when um, I was actually told sort of how ill I was. Um, anyway, so I've got over the illness part. So yeah, so what, so what I was doing was I worked for a company called um, LexisNexis and um, LexisNexis are the largest producers of basically information. So they own Elsevier, if people know that, which is like a science-based publication. Most legal publications that lawyers use, they have that accountancy, compliance, health and safety, all of that information, they basically print and sell. So I used to head up six departments um, in sales and marketing. And I took my departments from one and a half million to I think it was 12.7 million um, per year um, within a five year period. And then basically over about a two month period, I was constantly sort of coughing a little bit out of breath. And I was somebody that would do a lot of public speaking. I'd have big teams, I would be going to meetings, whatever. And the director made me go and see HR. And they said, we're a little bit concerned um, because you are always bringing a cough medicine with you. You seem very out of breath for someone that was 30 years of age. Um, You've got private insurance with the company, go and get checked out. And I got checked out and I was diagnosed with a autoimmune disease within my lungs. Um, so then because of that, I got put on medication, um, and the medication supposedly makes you put on weight and it supposedly makes you fat. So when I got fat, <laughs> cause I did get a little bit fat, I, um, enrolled on doing, um, USN's 12 week transformation with the idea being that medication cannot make you fat. Me sitting down and eating chocolate every day makes me fat. Um, so when I finished that, I had a, um, a photo shoot at a gym at the end of my road and, um, 
had a few interviews and, and I appeared in a few sort of magazines and I was in the local paper and that type of thing, just with like before and after pictures. And one of the guys who worked there was basically telling me about this um, fitness model show that he was doing and that nobody was going to go and watch it. So I was like, Do you know what? I think we, I knew him to be like, hello, how are you on the day? But he wasn't really someone I went out with after work or anything like that. But I was like, Do you know what? I'll go and watch it. So myself and Janine, who is my now wife, but was then my girlfriend. So let's go and watch this show. Um, and we went and watched the show, which I think was April 2012. Um, we went and watched the show and I remember sitting there with Janine and I was just, I went outside and I just saw some things. That, I don't really want to badmouth them because I, I think people, I think sometimes people take on things as a negative, but it isn't. Um, what I say to a lot of people is we all can go to restaurants. We can all go, I don't like this. We can all go to an event. We can all drive a car. You can all go, if I was going to do this, I would do it differently. Um, and that's basically how, how the day was for me. I was like, if I was going to run something like this, I'd do it differently. Having all these sort of ideas going with Janine, I'd do this different, this, that, and the other. Um, and Janine just looked at me and went, well, do it then. Probably half of it being, if you're going to keep talking about it. <laughs> Shut up and get on with it. Yeah. You know, um, so driving back to where we lived, it was a late show, it finished late. Um, on the way back, the concept of purely was um, developed with, the, with the, main, the main principle was that everyone gets treated the same. Everyone gets treated fairly. Um, that basically was designed then, and then it took 13 months from the moment of having the idea, um, coming up with the concept, and then talking Janine into the idea of competing there. <laughs> because then when we, so we're, I'm trying to think which show did we meet at because we because this person in question is actually my ex-partner so yeah that's how we met so we met through him so which was it which show was it where Janine so we we met the second time Janine was going to compete so the first time Janine competed I prepped her and I remember speaking to you because I met I, no sorry I met you the first time Janine was competing that's because it, I, yeah. I prepped her and I said never prep someone you're in a relationship with <laughs> and you prepped her for her second show. Yeah, 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 I remember now, yeah. Um, yeah, so, so I, I was sitting next to you, um, which was the, so that was the second time I went to watch the show and just was talking to you about this sort of idea and this sort of concept. Um, you told me you worked in events. And I was like, I can help. Right, well, this is a dream come true. Um, and, and in fact, I'm not sure most people know this, the original first flyer, you was on it. I was. And then, and then we changed, we changed it, um, but the original, the original one, you was on it. Yeah, because we didn't have anyone else. <laughs> we had no at all. Um, so yeah, I had a, had a picture of you and uh, of your um, your ex on, on the front cover, and then um, eventually I, I was given um, some pictures from a photographer, um, and he gave me the permission to use them, and I used them, and none of them have ever contacted me, which I find quite fascinating. Isn't it? Do you think that they've yeah. been on a flyer and they've not even yeah. thought, oh, I was on your flyer, by the way. Yeah. Never, never, never contacted me. Um, so that, so, so purely, basically, like I said at the beginning, it half came up on, if I never got ill, it probably never would have happened. Mm -hmm. which, is, which is a strange thing to, thought, to, to sort of think about. And it's, it's something that every now and again, Janine and I sort of stumble upon, that this really negative 
thing that happened to me where well, I, I in fact remember the the first time I got told I was really ill and sort of life expectancy and um, I've lived past the, the the current life expectancy of the average person that has got what I've got. Um, so from that has, has come basically what I would say out of all of my careers I've had, I've, I've, I was a trainee accountant, I've worked in sales and marketing, six or five different companies. Um, I was, that was my life. From this negative has come the biggest career love of my life, <clears throat> which is, is, is pure elite, which is, strange to say because of how much time and energy i put into my other jobs maybe it's strange to say you love a job but i do love i do love working um, we were talking about this just before we came on weren't we about how the fact that sometimes i think people question people's success or uh, undermine people's success sometimes and think yeah. that they were about the right place right time or luck or some kind of chance or some kind of lottery and actually what we both have established is the reason that why our respective businesses or the things that we're both passionate have been successful and why like yourself you were you know head of department at 29 or whatever you were was because you went all in and i think for me as someone who was kind of a on the sidelines watching purely and obviously being involved in show day and that kind of thing i've seen how all in you guys are with the business you know and i think people probably underestimate that in not just, you know, what with the show, but with everything. And I think people probably underestimate how much the show means to you because maybe they don't know the meaning behind how it started as well. Yeah. I think it's something I have to keep reminding myself to always talk about the, the um, creation story and, and also the, the hardship in the beginning. So um, going back like all in and obviously I know with yourself and obviously the, the, the businesses that you do, et cetera, and the people that you talk to, um, so I've got a successful business now, but um, before the first show, I, this is how all in I went. I had to sell my car, um, so we had no transport, had to put that in. I sold nearly everything, if it wasn't bolted down, I sold it to um, put into the business. And I got a phone call, I, basically all of my jobs from the age of 22 I've been headhunted, or I've been contacted by a recruitment agency or whatever, I've never really like applied for a job. And I got a call and it was for um, head of department for a company that was basically the competitor of where I used to work, but was nowhere near as good. I could literally just walk straight into, straight into it. They wanted me to set up the call center and they wanted to give me um, a share of profits as well. Like a dream job, like six figure salary, um, fantastic benefits. And I remember turning it down and this was four weeks before the first show like, and I'm like no thanks like put phone down and like saying to Janine like I've turned it down and also I've got to sell the car because we're skin and while we're at it all these DVDs that who needs DVDs but 10 years ago everyone had like a hundred or a thousand DVDs like selling DVDs or whatever um, and even then my business plan was the first show would break even like I wouldn't make any money off of the first show um, and I think in the end I made about two grand or fifteen hundred pounds off the first show. Bear in mind that's thirteen months' work to earn fifteen hundred pounds. Um, but I was just so convinced, and I I knew that done correctly and treating people fairly um, and giving a hundred percent would definitely definitely give me the reward, whether it be monetary and also personal, which I currently now have. Yeah. And if I'd half-hearted it, I don't think it would have been a success personally. 
I don't think anything is. I think, especially, you know, we're on this subject of, you know, competition prep, you can't half heart a competition prep and expect to look good. So why on earth you would do that with any kind of business that you run sometimes flummoxes me that people think that. But I just wanted to come back to what you're saying about you being ill and almost that this wouldn't have happened had you not been ill. And it's yeah. so funny that you said this because um, I've been, during this strange time we find ourselves in, obviously we aren't, we've not spending time on travel, we're not going many places. And I've been become obsessed with this whole new platform called Gaia, which is spelled G-A-I-A, if you haven't found it. It's like a spiritual Netflix. So I'm watching something every single day, at the end of the day. I know what you mean, yeah, I've seen that. I'm obsessed with this whole platform. Anything that's on it, I'll watch it. And last night I was watching something about overcoming emotional trauma and you know, just all the stuff that I work on with, you know, my team and like just stuff that comes up all the time that holds people back. And one of the biggest things that came out of a lot of these different programs was all the same, which is, I think is encapsulated perfectly by the Rumi quote, the wound is where the light enters you. And I really believe, I believe in purpose. I don't believe we're here by accident. I don't believe that we, you know, this is all just, just a big bang, right? I believe that there's a bit more to the emotional side of human beings and it's so funny that when you find someone that's happy that's fulfilled and usually over time successful as well in terms of monetary value it comes from a place of real purpose Mm -hmm. and like it doesn't surprise me that it was born out of your you know your illness it was like I call them inflection points like forks in the road like at that point you could have become a victim sat down and said that's it I'm gonna I'm gonna you know without disrespect to anyone, but you could have sat and claimed benefits. You could have said, you know, sod this, I'm going to stay at home. I'm going to just, you know, watch TV for the rest of my life. And, you know, because I'm ill, I'm ill. But you've never really used your label. Do you know what I mean? Like, other than the private conversations that maybe we've had or days you've not been well, like, that's never been a thing. So I just think the fact that this was born out of that pain, as it were, or that trauma or whatever word you want to give it, actually, I see more and more and more. Like, my businesses were ironically born out of a really horrible breakup. <laughs> so I had a horrible breakup. I was like, that's it. I must, I must go and be with my girlfriends. One of my girlfriends is going to travel into America. <laughs> I was like, I'm coming. I haven't got any money, but I'll find it. You know, 20 something at the, at the time. Got on a plane to the US. We're in a bookstore. She's in a, in a Borders. They're like Waterstones. And uh, she's buying postcards or something. She's traveling around the world. And I'm just jumping on for uh, 10 days. And this, I'm not joking. This book falls off a shelf in front of me. And I'm like, all right, it's got ice cream tub on the front cover. And I was like, eh. <laughs> I'll look at it. And the book is called, it's called A Breakup Because It's Broken. And I was like, mm, apt. So I read this book from cover to cover, like bought it, read it. And in the book, it calls women super foxes. Now, at the time, I had no idea what I would create from that place. And in turn, create two very successful businesses under that umbrella brand and that kind of concept of a person. And so I think sometimes that, the things that we go through, those adversities, can be, if we choose them to be, something really powerful. And that's exactly what you did. So for you, Stuart, obviously, like you've been building this business, you know, since conception, I guess, since this time of 2012, 2013. So you're like, you know, in year seven now, year six of like full business operations, I suppose. For you, what would you say has been maybe one one or two of your biggest lessons or things that you you know, you wouldn't repeat <laughs> if you could do them again. Um, so firstly, because this is topical, um, insurance. Mm-hmm. Um, so like most businesses, um, you have some sort of insurance. And um, in fact, I'll pivot that answer. Here's insurance. I'll give you an example. So Wimbledon um, paid £4 million a year to have insurance that covered them for a pandemic. 
and most businesses would laugh at why are you paying four million pound a year for something that happens every hundred years what a waste of money um obviously Wimbledon didn't go ahead this year of which they were paid out in full what they would normally gross um yeah um so most most companies their insurance didn't come from pandemic so i think one of the things that, that i've learned to expand on that is always always plan for the unexpected even something which is so crazy like a ufo coming down and shooting us all uh, a meteorite coming out of blood whatever and to, 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 if there is an option to have it probably should have had it so there's that um but i would say that that's a topical thing the most important thing i'd probably say is um being true to yourself so i set purely up for a specific reason um, with a specific goal in mind and making sure I never deviate from that. Um, people are probably shocked to find out, I don't really look at what my competitors do. People, I've had people have conversations with me about the dates of the shows of purely going, oh, that's good because this show's the week afterwards. Like, is that when you picked it? I didn't know when their show was. Like, it's irrelevant to me. Um, if the success of my business is determined by someone else's business, I don't have a business. Um, I have my ideas, I've got my road that I'm going on. And if I ever fall on the same day as another show, well, then I just outsell it. Um, so yeah, always, always, what was the reason sticking to, I know you like, like, like using the word why, so what was the why? Sticking to whatever the reason was, the path was, and don't be reactive to another business. Like it, you, you can't, Apple don't decide what they're gonna put on their phone based on what someone else does. They've got their own clear goal. And also, because again, like you said, you, Sometimes I think we can distort our view of what we should be doing based yeah. on what other people are doing. And I think there's a difference yeah. between market research in terms of mm-hmm. checking out competition in the sense of, oh, that's a really good idea, or mm-hmm. actually that's a great thing they've done to evolve. How can we evolve? You know, I think I've definitely done that in my coaching business, you know, been able to see how, oh, that's a really smart idea, or actually gone to other coaches and said, what platform are you using? Because mine is archaic, you know, and actually canvassing people's opinions. There's a difference between doing that and looking left and looking right and getting distracted from moving forward. And I've definitely been victim of that. I think social media obviously can make us all victim of that. Oh, there we go. Dogs are off. Awesome. Love it. So it's probably no one. It's probably someone drove down the street. They've decided that they are the warriors and must protect me from all alien invaders. (laughs) Honestly, crazy. So that was kind of maybe things you should have learned. I guess, I mean, it's hard to pick, right? But if there was one highlight or a moment where you were kind of in your business, you know, when something happens and you almost stood there and you're like, this is actually real. Like, Oh, the, fact, the first show, first the, show. The, the, first, the first show about shadow of a doubt. Um, it, it was, so but bearing in mind three, four weeks before, I didn't know if there was going to be a show. I had a handful of people that had entered. Um, I'm having to sell everything to basically pay for the show. Um, and I was spending 14 hours a day just on Twitter, just talking to people. Like in my mind, it was like Teddy Sales. I just had um, KPIs to hit and talk to as many people as possible. Um, and then within, so the show was in May. Within April, um, I think I got 60 something people signed up. 88 people did the show, was, and the majority was in April. I'm pretty sure it was 62 or something like that signed up. So it went from me losing a couple of grand to me breaking even, basically. Um, so that took the monetary worry off me. And then all we had to do was put it off on the day. <laughs> I remember it well. Yeah. Um, and that was all of the learnings you can get from holding any live event. And I think that's something that 
any competitors watching probably don't even realize when you try and say to somebody, imagine having a live event where you've in essence got up to 300 guest speakers because you, that's how many people you need to make sure are on stage at the right time. But some guest speakers are on stage multiple times. So it's not like you've got 300 slots, you've got 600 slots that people need to come into. Um, and then at the same time, you've got an audience that have got to watch that. That is a huge live event. That, that's the type of thing that you see on TV. Um, so pulling it off and the, the excitement I felt when it finished, because we had the after show party, yeah. and that's that just adrenaline around my body because I, I knew I'd cracked it. And I knew with the team around me, with yourself and Janine um, and Matt, um, that we had like a core four people um, that would definitely help propel the show forward. I've still got that picture. We look dreadful. <laughs> we look I look so alright. I've got like a nice jawline. I look quite young. I look good. So you and Janine look like you've been dragged through hedges backwards. <laughs> we pretty much were on the day that I'm going to put it out there. We were pretty much like we have no idea what we're doing, but we'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, it was. It was fun. And because on the first show, I had the judging completely different, and the judging took forever. So I used to have on the scorecards everything that you were judged for and you had to give a score from um, one to 10. Um, so everything. So some categories, you've got 15 different things. And if you can imagine just like constantly, I remember one of the judges who had um, an IPB pro who had judged in loads of shows before, about half a through just looked at me and went, this is like, this works well, but this is hard work. I'm like, yeah, note to self, like change them a little bit. Make them simplify. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so yeah, definitely. For the, the, the first show so for you then I mean I guess over time with everything every business evolves so the show has evolved in many ways I know from my perspective but I guess for you as the I mean I guess the blow up of Instagram was I mean I don't even know when I got Instagram I, I was quite late to the game I think I was like a 2014 kind of on the I don't know it was 2011 or something came out wasn't it um, do you know what I don't know probably even before then yeah, so I was quite late to the game on Instagram. Do you think that social media, I mean, has had a big impact in the show's kind of growth in terms of awareness? Do you think it's very much word of mouth or...? Social media. If social media didn't exist, purely it wouldn't exist. Hmm. It, it would not have been um, achievable to... I came from a career uh, with a marketing budget where you, where you could put an advert in a paper, say, and it, and it could be 40, 50, 60 grand. Um, to owning a business where I can put a post up and it costs nothing. Um, that, that was, that's, that's huge. The, the, I don't think the same opportunity is there now. Um, no, I but I always say to people, you should be prepared to pay on Instagram. I do pay promotions. And again, you put like for like, if you want 10,000 people to see any advert that's not on social media, you're paying thousands of thousands of pounds. If you want 10,000 people to see something on social media, you can do it for less than 20 pounds. Um, so that option of being able to advertise the show for free or for very little money um, compared to even if I had to print, imagine if I had to print 10,000 flyers and post them out to every single gym and then also call the gyms, ask them to put them on the wall. The time, energy, money that would come into that is huge as opposed to me just putting a post up on social media and I can do an advert and target it to people that go to the gym. Yeah, 100%. It's so interesting, isn't it? Because I think one of my businesses has very much been growth of kind of, social media has been useful, but very much was kind of word of mouth, but it was a small business, you know, it's not at the scale that 
you know, purely used to be at. But the other one of mine is completely been on social media. Like I could never have an organization the size I do without the power of Instagram and Facebook. And I just think that's such an interesting time that we find ourselves in that, especially because we both come from corporate where, like you said, traditional marketing budgets, like I know what marketing budgets are. Like the company I used to work for was an automotive company. We're talking multi-millions, like multi-millions. I used to move money around in a spreadsheet like it was pennies. Yeah, £1,000 yeah. spent on that. Like, I mean, I used to just spend money like this because I worked in rental marketing. And I think people now underestimate the power of what can be created through that personal experience, but then also that power of social media. And so, you know, I posted this in my story yesterday. You know, if you've got a friend who's got a small business, whether they're a hairdresser or a personal trainer, or you do go to an event or you go to a restaurant and it's good, like, freaking rep them. Like, say well done check in thank them post a picture tag them like people underestimate that and i think because we almost are stuck in the ways of unless it's on telly it's like it's not for real i think people forget to actually like use social media to help people yeah i I think i think there's two there's two problems with social media one the name social media social clearly the social media brands like facebook um, Instagram, whatever they 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 push the narrative that it's a social media platform. It's not. It's a marketing platform. Right? That's that's what it is. Right? You're marketing yourself or your product. That's it. There's nothing else on there. And the second is we're so desensitised by numbers. Um, so if if I went back ten years ago, and let's say just telemarketing, so not not even telesales. You don't even try to sell anything. I just want you to know that we have got an event. Um, so let's imagine. Um, a thousand lawyers we want a thousand lawyers to know that we've got an event being held in the center of london okay just to let them know and we're going to send emails out but we're going to just cold call them as well well calling a thousand lawyers right you're talking you'd probably want a team of 12 um and even if you said doing 100 calls a day their target would only be speaking to 30 decision makers so that'd be 300 people per day on average that they'll be having for for a team of um 10 say um well, imagine if 10 years ago you could turn around and go, well, what I can do is, for the, if you give me 15 minutes to design something that looks good, we're going to put it up on um, social media. And that 15 minutes, we get 40 people to see it at once. 10 years ago, I'd be going, what, 40 people for the one action? Not, so I haven't got to do 40 calls. No, 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 you get it once. Oh, and actually, you've got more, you've got 120. People sort of, on social media, look at a post that's got 120 likes. and I'm like, yeah. Like, that's right. I'm like, that's 120 people. <laughs> like, that's, that, is, that is absolutely huge from a marketing point of view to get 120 people to engage in something. Um, and we forget that. We, we look at, I don't know, Kim Kardashian is getting 50,000 likes and we try and compare ourselves against something like that. Or we know some Instagram influencers that have got over a million followers and you look at the numbers they're getting. But it's like, you're, you're, you're looking at it completely wrong. Take a step back. Imagine if you walked into a room and there was 50 people there and those 50 people gave you the opportunity to talk to them about something. And then from that, 10 of them held up a sign going, I really like that. It would blow your mind. And that is what social media is. And I think, you know, like we're talking about it, we've got, we've both have a lot of mutual friends who are Instagram influencers or have massive social media followings. And the fact that they have a following doesn't necessarily mean they're any more or any less successful in business, by the way. No, it doesn't. Because another thing that you know I now really understand is engagement rate. That's all that matters. So yeah. I have a great engagement rate on my Instagram. 
I don't actually really sell anything anymore, <laughs> but I have a great engagement rate, but that means more to me than, oh, I got a thousand likes. Well, that's yeah. great that I got a thousand likes, but actually if 120 people like commented or even yeah. 12 people comment, that's 12 people that are like, your content's good. I'm showing up here. So if I did want to monetize it or sell something, or maybe I was someone that sold something a little bit more um, tangible is a better word, tangible, then to me, that would be amazing. But I do think it's perspective. It's right. You're right. Yeah, people people just don't take a step back and um, and just literally think and go, well, I've got this for free. It was also for free. Like you didn't have to. All you had was the time it took to put up whatever you put up. And I think that's one of the negatives that people that are looking to monetize in any way they don't put enough time and effort into what they're going to post. Um, that's that's one of the negatives because it's so throw. It's like a throwaway piece of content, and they get like to get like a throwaway like. Um, whereas, like you said, it's, it's the engagement that you want and start being realistic about numbers. Most businesses can survive on a thousand customers. That's all you need, a thousand customers. And that's not necessarily for some businesses, that's not even at once. Shh, you know, you know, shh. Hmm? That's not even at once. That's just like over a year's worth of purchases yeah. or a calendar year's worth of transactions. So it might yeah. not even be unique IDs, it could just be the number of transactions. I think. Yeah. I do think you're right. I think the concept of being called social media indicates that it's supposed to be this like connected platform of just making friends, but it isn't. Everybody's marketing themselves, whether you are a person who doesn't even have a business, you just wish to be kids up. You're marketing your family. You are yeah. like, you're making yourself marketable. And I think otherwise you'd be at home with your kids. Yeah. You wouldn't be putting it online, would you? Cause you're looking for that light. And I just think it's a strange time that we find ourselves in and, I do think social media has obviously had some amazing powerful good in some of the stuff that it's done in terms of campaigns and, you know, knowledge sharing and information sharing. And I do think the dissemination of information can be very powerful to social media. I personally have had experiences with people quite close to me where social media has become very detrimental, quite negative as well. So I guess somebody who, you know, I know what you're like and you love the stats and you love the stuff behind the scenes and for you, social media is a bit of a game. Like I know yeah. that you see it not as this intense thing that you do every day and you're on the ground. For you, it's like a game I, and I love that. Yeah. So for someone who maybe doesn't see it like that, I just whether you have any words of advice for them or wisdom for them on how to step away from seeing it as this like part of their life yeah. to actually just what they do. So social media, 100% is addictive. It's designed to be addictive. Um, and like any drug, or even say gambling, which you're, you're still addicted um, to gambling because of the way your brain releases um, chemicals and you're addicted to that sort of dopamine rush. Um, first, you have, to, you have to acknowledge that and accept that. Then you have to look at it from their point of view. Um, what, did a social what does a social media platform want? They want as many people on there engaging as possible so you're catching in your time basically. So your time is currency. So they're, they're taking your currency, which is time, and they sell that to even someone like myself. When I pay to put an advert on, I'm paying to boost that to you, Lucy. It's like, right, I want Lucy to see this. I want to guarantee she's it's right, so I pay for that. So yeah, Like what, promote something so a certain person could see it. Yeah. That would be so fun. I just want Kanye West to see this post. No one else. <laughs> just Kanye West. Kanye! You would be surprised who you can advertise to on, on social media and, and the, the, the amount of control that you've got. So one of the things that I always say, and you know, I've said it to you as well, you've got a choice on social media. 
You either are a distributor or you are a consumer. A consumer is spending time. So that's the currency. That is the currency on social media is spending your time. Or you are distributing and you're trying to take people's time. Um, and like your shop, you want to have the currency come in. If you're a distributor, you want to have their time come in. It's all just about time. So if you're someone who is addicted um, to social media, I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with being addicted um, to social media. The same as there's nothing inherently wrong about being addicted to anything. It's when it becomes to the point where it has a negative impact on your life. Mm-hmm. And some people have problems with food. Some people have problems with gambling, smoking, drugs, drinking. You've always got these um, individuals that do become addicted to whatever and everything in life in reality really wants your time and money so they want you to be addicted even your local curry house wants you to be addicted to their curry so you come back every thursday it's just yeah. that's just the way that they are um it's being realistic to yourself and acknowledging that you've got a problem and then acknowledging that what do i want from social media am i happy to rather to spend two hours on my phone in the evening and not be on tv those people i don't think there's a problem because you would have been sitting there doing nothing if it's I wanted to work today and I've been on my phone, that's when you need to um, be realistic to change. It's not social media. Like, this is a marketing platform to build my business. If I'm not spending my time on engaging with potential customers, engaging with brands, and I'm just going along idly liking pictures, you've basically paid somebody else and you've not paid yourself. Yeah, 100%. Definitely from a business perspective. And I've learned this, you know, like, especially thinking lockdown, you know, it's that there's more time, right? You have more dwell time because there's less to do and go and be and all that sort of stuff. And I definitely found myself in the scroll hole way too many times. And I would also just feel so drained, like, and it's because I'm giving myself in every interaction that I make, that's deposit from myself that I'm giving rather than deposits that I'm kind of taking from putting out good content. So I definitely have found that. And I think social media for me, I'm still working on it. As in I yeah. definitely, because of the nature of what I do is a very social business, like everything I do is on social media, I pretty much live on it. It can be sometimes hard to forget where the line is and forget that not everything needs to be on social media. And I've definitely been that person that said, fuck, I shouldn't have said that. I mean, the great thing is you just click delete, right? <laughs> like that is the powerful thing. But once it's online, it's kind of always online. Somebody's seen it. So I just think it is a definitely about drawing that kind of boundary line. Where do you, I mean, final question, because I've just kind of... On that, I'd, before we jump to the next one, what I would say is, and, and, and you know, because I told you this about today. So my Monday is Social Media Monday. And what I do on that is I plan. Um, so I plan what my posts are going to be. So it takes away that compulsion to just pull up something and to like just wasting time, basically. When it's structured in like, a, I do it like a, in a campaign. So... Um, like I'm saying it's motivational on a Monday or I might have votes that go going up. I sometimes have a Matt Marsh Monday. I might do winning Wednesday and I might have fun time Friday. Um, sometimes I do Sunday fun day, whatever. These are all just things in my head and I have it on like a chart, what I'm going to pull up, what the posts are. I design most of the posts on, on, on a Monday. Um, and it, then it puts me back more into work mode. It becomes difficult because of stories and you want to, that should be there and then. Um, but then even if you look at the Pure Elite one, there'll be random ones that I share, but then you'll see the ones that I've designed because one, they look better, and two, <laughs> I've just uploaded them at, at random points. So I would say to anyone that owns a business, um, use your social media again as a marketing platform, sit down and plan campaigns. 
the same as if you're going to do an email campaign, a direct marketing campaign, a TV advert campaign, radio, whatever. Um, you have to think about um, social media in exactly the same way to be like, right, on Monday, next Monday at 12, this is the post that's going up at 12. Um, because then it allows you to analyze it as well. Because then you can be analytical to be, well, that post didn't work at that time. Maybe I should do it at this time. And it takes you away from the dopamine rush of, oh, did I get any likes? It is but, a dopamine rush. It totally is. Uh, yeah. And it's, yeah, it's, it's highly addictive. Like, we all know it's highly addictive. We've all wasted probably countless whole... hours of our lives that we'll never get back. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I got, um, I got into TikTok um, about five, six months ago and I was wasting hours on that because I just, I found it like being an escapism. I'm like, this is fun. There's not many people on it here. So it's not work related. And I'm like, wait a minute, I'm doing three hours just laughing at random, <laughs> random videos of strangers. <laughs> I, never got, I did it for like three days and I was like, this is too much effort. <laughs> I was like, no, yeah. totally true. But I just one final question, some conscious of uh, time. Oh, sorry, dog, there's a dog there. Um, is around kind of setting boundaries with business and personal life. I think this is a big one for anyone, particularly who's maybe an entrepreneur, self-employed, yep. you know, especially when your business is digital, right? And you use your phone for the same people you call, you call your mum on the same phone that you maybe build your business on. Yeah. And obviously you work for Janine, and so obviously your wife, also you guys yep. work together in the business and everything else. I guess, did you have any advice or tips for anyone in kind of setting those boundaries between business and yep. personal life, or if actually it's all one? Um, so I've experimented with both ways. And um, the way that I find doesn't work and you lie to yourself like it does work is working whenever you want, doing whatever you want. Uh, if I'm going to be working still at nine o'clock at night, that's brilliant. Like uh, I didn't work in the afternoon, so I'll make up tomorrow. Uh, I, I experimented with that probably for about 18 months, I would say. It doesn't work. You're not as productive. Um, I've now go back to um, basically set dates and set hours. So, Monday is more of a relaxed day. Um, I also have Monday off from training. So Monday is basically, I'm thinking about social media, I'm planning stuff, I'm more relaxed. Um, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday and Friday for me, I get dressed in my suit. Uh, I work from home. Um, I'm focused. I've got specific hours that I'm working. I only, the areas that I sit, so say this chair, this is my work chair. Um, I only sit in this chair if I'm working. Um, it's not used for anything else. It gets me into the right frame of mind. Um, and I basically, I've got like, um, like a billing app. So I clock in my hours oh. and it lets me see how many hours it's free. I'll send it to you. Yeah, and let's see how many hours that I've done. Gives me nice little graphs or whatever. Um, so then I can see what time and effort I'm putting in. Then if I want to work in the evening, it's a choice. So if I want to work, say on a Wednesday, because we're doing a live, that's a personal choice to do that. Um, I find that with that structure, um, I'm far more productive and it allows me to give myself more time so if i want saturday sunday monday off work that's fine because i know i'm working tuesday wednesday thursday friday um when you're a little bit wishy-washy um which we've all been when you work from home you sort of get to the end of a week and you go oh i didn't really do a lot this week yeah. um, and, and then you've been on social and, and then you look back at well on social media probably like 40 hours, but I literally did no work. Yeah. Um, so I, I give yourself allocated slots, even if you go three hours a day, like Monday to Friday, or 
I'm going to do Tuesday, Thursday. A full-time job is absolutely sweet fuck all. <laughs> like, really. But it's about, I've been talking about this a lot, it's about that focused time and that mastery yeah. of the time that you are working rather than seeing it as oh, the more time I spend. And I think that comes back down to almost like the linear employee mindset. You turn up for the same amount of time and you get paid no matter how much you get done. In most industries, it's not done on, you're not paid on productivity. And I think people need to remember in self-employed life, most jobs aren't time bound, they're productivity bound. And like you've just touched on, it is about mastering the time that you are working to then be able to let go and have a breath and have a life the rest of the time. Yeah, and, and, it, and it gives you the freedom. Like, you know, I get up, I get up at five o'clock in the morning um, and I go out, I, work, I walk down the seafront, uh, I work out five till 10 every morning is my time. Um, so I start work at 10 o'clock in the morning and at the moment I'm just doing 10 till four. And I'm like, how, how much of a luxury is it to say I work Tuesday to Friday, 10 till four, and every day I walk down the beach. Um, it's still people would dream to have that as, as, as a job because if I was working in London and I wanted to see the beach, I'd still have to get up at five to get the train. So uh, even though I work for eight hours, I'd be working for 12 because of the travel. Um, so I, you keep yourself boundaries. This is where I'm, this is where I'm going to work. I'm a big believer in um, wearing clothes for work. It just I puts your mind If I don't wear makeup, I don't work. Mine's makeup. Yeah. yeah. If I've got shorts on or tracksuit bottoms on, I'm just not as productive. I'm just not as productive. I don't care what anyone says to me. You're not as productive because you, you're not thinking the right way and you sort of laze around whatever and you mess around on your phone. But the, the getting ready for work, um, in fact, I'll share a post with you. I got interviewed 13 years ago and I was asked if I was CEO of LexisNexis, the company writer, what would be the one thing I'd change? And I said I'd get rid of Dress Down Friday. I remember you telling me that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm a strong believer in it. And I, it, it. It just makes a massive, massive, massive difference. And if anyone's got kids and the days that um, you have Dress Down Day or Muffy Day, I think some people call it, and they can wear what they want, kids just misbehave. <laughs> They're running around, it's like chaos, it's like complete chaos. Um, yes, it just, it's that, well, it's a routine, isn't it? Yeah, structure. And, and also, I just think those symbols that, that of those boundaries that we just talked about, sure. Mm. So, thank you so much. I, would, I could talk to you, obviously, we could talk for hours and hours and hours, but conscious of time. But thank you so much for jumping on. If anybody wants to follow more on Pure Elite, um, Instagram is at pure underscore, it's underscore, isn't it? Underscore Elite. Um, purely underscore official. There you go. There you go. See, I always get the underscores. You just search. You don't even need to know the handles anymore. Cause you just put it's like phone it number. Comes up, yeah. What phone number do you need to know now? You don't need to know any. You just go call Stuart, and Siri goes calling Stuart Armstrong. <laughs> <And it's done. laughs> Love it. Thank you so much for joining me. And that was the way we see it.